Hello, welcome to another Beach Boys album review, and today we're going to review the Surf's Up album, which was released on August 30th, 1971, and uh, this was the uh, second album that they did on Warner Reprise, as well as their um, own label, Brothers Records. And I don't know why, I guess nowadays it's there's a lot of independent record companies out there and it's a lot easier to promote, especially if you have a name like the beach boys had by this time. Um, but I think back then you really needed a major record company, a record label to have any kind of distribution, I guess, because no internet. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Um, if they were able, I mean, even think about it. The Beatles had their own record label called Apple, which flopped. If the Beatles couldn't do it, nobody could back then. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe there is some group or musician that was able to do that. I I remember hearing that Link Ray used to t travel around on his own and sell records from his car. So I really don't know. Um, but... Yeah, so Brothers Records was so that they could have some control over their music and publishing. Uh, after, um, I'll just give a little background. A couple years before this, I didn't really say this in the previous episode, but a couple years before this, uh, Murray Wilson, who owned the publishing rights to the Beach Boys early on at the beginning, it was called Sea of Tunes. And he sold the Beach Boys in 69, um, for a few million dollars. I think it was like, I don't know the amount, but it was way undervalued. But you got to consider that the stock was going down at that time. And a lot of bands or musicians or groups would hit their peak and then go down and then disappear. Nobody was expecting what would happen in the mid seventies with the resurgence of oldies. Um, and I, I guess you could say that the record industry wasn't that old. I mean, you think about it. First records were in the twenties. Um, probably, I don't know when records started, but, um, it's not like we had a huge trend of things, right. And pop music particularly, wasn't really expected to be long lasting like 50s rock and roll and stuff so by the mid 60s that was out and then the beach boys were starting to go out in the late 60s so um so he did that and brian was very upset about that and um the beach boys lost their publishing rights and but around 67 68 um, they started this label in 67, so it's not publishing. Um, but I assume that, that they, uh, for their later music, um, were able to get their publishing uh, squared away at some point. But um, in the 90s, um, Brian Wilson's 
did a lawsuit with, I think, Capitol Records. Um, but somehow he was able to get the publishing and the songwriting royalties back. And um, and then Mike sued Brian to get like uh, his songwriting credits that Murray never gave that Mike wrote. And there's a lot of controversy on that. But I do think he wrote lyrics to like... Um, all like a, a lot of the songs like not just one or two words like some people claim but actually wrote the lyrics to the whole songs um that he was trying to get credit for some people think he added one bass note <laughs> and was trying to get 50 50 credit for it but that's not i don't think that's true and he's always been made a villain and in, in fact he tried to work things out with brian in person and not go to court but because brian in the 90s was sick uh, i guess he i guess his lawyer said that he was unable to make those decisions himself so they had to take it to court and you know brian had admitted to mike and that they needed to make get it straight but you got to think um in the 1960s it was Murray that ha hadn't done it, and then he sold the publishing. And then at that point, Brian was was um, getting into drugs and not doing well. I don't know if Mike had talked to Brian many times um, over the years, or if he just couldn't do anything about it since they didn't have publishing rights. I don't really know how all that works. So maybe it wasn't until the 90s that he could, um, Plus, Brian had been, um, I, I guess after Brian got the publishing rights in the lawsuit, um, that's when Mike was able to uh, sue Brian. So maybe he couldn't sue Brian before that. But also you have to realize Brian was unable to, uh, he had a doctor, Eugene Landy, that controlled him basically and wouldn't allow the other beach boys or any of his family to contact him oftentimes very disgusting situation um if you want to know more about that there's a great movie out called love and mercy uh if you're listening to this podcast you probably have already heard of it if you haven't look it up paul dano paul giamatti and uh Cusack, John Cusack and Elizabeth Banks. Really good acting and uh, a very good film. Um, so that's a little bit about uh, about the Beach Boys history there and the uh, Brothers record uh, label. And uh, they even started their own, um, they even had a, a studio. Um, and I don't remember, I think it's called Brothers Studios and it was on Hollywood Boulevard at this time in the early 70s. And um, it, it gave them some control and they were able to record at their own will. And um, and around this time, Carl uh, was trying to find artists to sign to their label. And really the only, um, outside of the Beach Boys, the only other album released on brothers i believe was the flame uh an album self-titled the flame and two of those members would join the beach boys later in 71 uh blondie chaplin and ricky fatar but um i don't think they're on the recordings for the surf's up album 
But um, yeah, so that's a little bit about this time period. It's a fascinating time period where the uh, Brian is kind of taking a step back, but the rest of the band is really starting to shine. Um, last album, the Sunflower album, was uh, very well done. Uh, I mean, from everybody contributed good stuff to this. And so the only one that didn't contribute to this one, and it's not because he didn't write anything, but Dennis Wilson removed his songs from this album because he had a, a an argument with Carl over the song order. Um, speaking of Carl, he is listed as the producer for this album. Um, and this is the first time. Before that, it was it, we would just say producer, the Beach Boys. Now, it says the Beach Boys and Carl Wilson for this. So I guess like Bruce might have produced his own songs um, and, and song, I guess you could say. And maybe Al had some say in his song and uh, whatever or songs. So the other guys probably had some input, but Carl became the executive producer at the time. Also at this time, um, they got a new manager, uh, Jack Riley, and he wanted to update their image and try and get them promoted in much in a <clears throat> in a way that <clears throat> was much more hip at the time and not um, fun in the sun kind of a thing. <clears throat> and it's not like their last several albums were, you know, clean cut. They, they didn't look clean cut and it wasn't oldies. I mean, it was still moving forward. But I think he even wanted them to update their image lyrically, which they kind of had with Pet Sounds and Smile. And then, um, I don't know, they hadn't really moved forward. And this was probably one of their, other than the Smile album, this one had some avant-garde lyrics by Jack Riley himself. And uh, then there's other lyrics that are not so avant-garde, but um, but it's a little bit more of a serious, uh, mature kind of lyrics on this album. And uh, and so yeah, so Jack Riley I think really helped change their image. They started to get noticed like on uh, Rolling Stone magazine who really ignored them for the last few years, thinking of them as surfing Doris days or whatever. Um, but they started to get noticed by the hip crowd a little bit. Now, they weren't as big as they were, but they started to... Um, Sunflower was a huge flop commercially, like probably the worst sold album they ever did, at least in the, in the United States. I think it did well in Europe and around the world, but in the United States, it was like barely in the top 200. And uh, this album did a lot better in the United States, but it still wasn't mainstream, but it was... Um, uh, back then FM radio was where they would play more of the progressive rock kind of stuff. And I think the beach boys started getting some airplay on that. Um, the edge engineer, I believe was still, uh, Steven Desper. And, uh, yeah, so that's a little uh, bit about this album. Uh, the album cover is a painting based on the sculpture end of the trail by James Earl Fraser. And Jack Riley found it in a thrift shop 
and it reminded him of the Brother Record logo. And if you've seen the Brother Record lo logo, it's a it's sort of a picture of a like a Native American sitting on a horse or leaning kind of slouched over over on a horse. And so this painting kind of emulates that a little bit. I really love it. I think it's an awesome album cover and I give it a 10 out of 10. Now on to the songs. Track number one is Don't Go Near the Water, written by Mike Love and Al Jardine, sung by Mike Love with Al Jardine as well. And um, I like this song a lot. I think the lyrics are a little too uh, easy, <laughs> too simple. Um, other than that, I love the production, the arrangement of this song. It's very folky and, and artsy. And, um, you know, it's got some synth in there as well. So it's kind of like a synth folk song. Uh, very interesting. Um, and I think the strength of this is the art and the production of it. Both I give a 10 to both of that, those things. The weakness of it is the poetry. I just think the lyrics are, you know, too simple <laughs> and cheesy. And... Uh, the singing that Al does on here, I'm not a big fan of. I like Al's voice on other songs, but not so much on the bridge on this one. But Mike does a good job singing it. Um, and I love the tag. The musical tag on this song is, is incredible. Overall, this song gets an 8.0. So hard to answer futures, riddle when ahead is seeming so far behind. Track number two is Long Promised Road, written by Carl Wilson and lyrics by Jack Riley. And this is an awesome song. It's actually the first song Carl wrote by himself. Um, he had been credited on a few songs before, but this is the first like real song that he sat down and just wrote. And I don't know if he wrote any of the lyrics or not, or if he just let Jack Riley handle that. Um, but this is a great all-around song. Uh, there's three tens, catchiness, poetry, and production. And I gave a nine to the art and the hook. Uh, there's really nothing weak about this song, in my opinion. And it's just a great all-around song. And I think it's the best song Carl ever wrote. Carl also sings the lead, obviously. And I heard that he recorded just about all the vocals and... Um, and the instruments as well, but um, I'm not sure if the Beach Boys helped them or not. But um, yeah, very good song. And overall, this one gets a 9.6. Track number three is uh, Take a Load Off Your Feet. Written by Al Jardine, Brian Wilson, and Gary Winfrey. Uh, Brian sings the intro to this song, and then Al Jardine sings uh, the rest of it, I believe. Um, this has some um, smile-type production, you know, but this is a few years later. It reminds me a little bit of Vegetables. 
but I don't think the lyrics are as good. They're a little bit more cheesy. Um, and uh, now I did hear, I read this recently, I don't remember where, that uh, Al Jardine, um, there was some woman that had just, she was pregnant and just had a baby or sick or something. I think she was pregnant. I don't know if it was Gary Winfrey's wife or what, but um, she was, you know, nine months pregnant and not very energetic. And so he kind of wrote this song, uh, the lyrics about, you know, take a load off your feet and, you know, relax. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but uh, there's some interesting like sound effects and stuff in here, but I'm not a huge fan of, of the song. Uh, it was actually an outtake from Sunflower and uh, I had it on the alternate Sunflower album. So because I thought it fit better on there. I just feel like it's a little too... It just doesn't fit with the vibe of the rest of the album. And, uh, this one and a few, a couple other songs. Um, so it gets a 10 in production because of the interesting, like, uh, you know, sound effects and stuff. The weakness is the poetry with a three. Uh, and overall, this song does pretty solid, but... Again, not great. A 7.2. Track number four is Disney Girls, written by Bruce Johnston and sung by Bruce Johnston. Uh, you know, he had his style of production. Um, I, mentioned, I talked a little bit about him in the previous album when he had... Uh, written two songs on that album um, and this is his tour de force the one that he is mostly known for at least with the Beach Boys but his biggest hit that he wrote was not a Beach Boys song and it wasn't a Bruce Johnston uh, performed song it was uh, who was the guy I forget the name of the it's it's somebody I'm not a huge fan of but um, it's a song called I Write the Songs <laughs> and some some of you probably, most of you probably know who that is, but I can't think of the name uh, that performed the number one hit version. Anyway, this is a schmaltz, schmaltzy <laughs> song. Um, I'm, it's okay. I'm not a huge fan of it. It, it kind of, uh, it's nice, but it's not one that I go back to regularly. And, uh, I wouldn't even say it's my favorite Bruce Johnston song. <laughs> uh, I think it would have to be one that comes later, actually, in 1980 on the Keeping the Summer Alive album. Uh, that's probably my favorite Bruce Johnston track. Um, there's another one that I really like if I'm in the mood, and most people hate it, but Tears in the Morning, I think, is a nice song, actually. Um, this is just a basic soft pop song, you know, um, with some very Beach Boy-esque harmonies and, and things. Um, and I gave it a 10 in production, a 9 in the art, um, 8 in poetry, 7 in <laughs> catchiness. Kind of works its way down. The weakness is the hook. But uh, it does okay, uh, pretty solid. I give it a 7.8. 
Track number five is Student Demonstration Time, written by Jerry Lieber, Mike Stoller, and new lyrics by Mike Love. This is a rework of the uh, song um, Cell Block Number 9, and Mike rewrote the lyrics to uh, update, I guess, to a 1969 or 1970 protest. And... um, you know, this is a cover, so there's nothing higher than a seven. Now, the poetry and production could be the production I gave an eight. The poetry is not, you know, the po- those two are both scale, or even the hook. Those are scaled to a, a ten. Um, but um, nothing does particularly strong on this album, on this song. Um, now, my main issue with this song is not the song itself. Um, I think it was, I seen videos of them performing it live where Mike has like a bullhorn, uh, and, uh, sings it through that. And, uh, I think it works as a live concert song. Uh, I just don't like it on this album. I just don't think it, uh, fits the vibe. And plus it's a cover song. There, there was really no need to have cover songs on their albums. Uh, if they had this just as a single, that would have been fine. But on the album, I think it kind of ruins a vibe that is the feeling that most of this album is trying to portray. And this, as well as Take a Load Off Your Feet, maybe Disney Girls doesn't fit on here that well. Um, I, you know, but, um, but yeah, so it rocks. Mike Love is singing the lead, of course, and, uh, you know, it is a cover, so that hurts the score a bit, but overall this one gets a 6.0. Track number six is Feel Flows, written by Carl Wilson, with lyrics by Jack Riley. Um, I like this probably better than Long Promise Road, because it's weirder and more artsy, but the, the score is not going to be as high, so I'm just letting you know. Carl sings lead, and I, I think when I was thinking about Long Promise Road earlier, um... I said I think he played all the instruments. I'm not sure if he did on Long Promise Road, but I'm pretty sure he did on this one with the exception of a flute. And uh, I think he sang all the lyrics or or all the vocals as well. But um, this one gets three tens, art and poetry and production. It's a sort of a synthesizer, psychedelic masterpiece, I guess you could say. It's not meant to be catchy. I don't think it could be a single. But it's very strange, um, and I, I really love it. Um, the poet, the uh, lyrics are very uh, avant-garde as well. And uh, I, this song is actually on the soundtrack of... I was shocked. I think I saw this in the theater, uh, the movie called uh, Almost Famous. And it's the closing credits, I believe, is this song. And uh, I was shocked when <laughs> that came on. Um, I believe the director of that movie was Cameron Parks. I could be wrong, but Cameron Parks is a huge Beach Boys fan. And uh, so he always tried to sneak them into his movies. But um, but yeah, this is just a very 
you know, it's a lengthier song. They do a longer version of this live in like 1977. There's a couple of, there's a video of it if you find find that. But and Carl is kind of stoned or drunk or something, uh, as you can in that era, 77, 78, when he sings this song or other songs. But kind of sad. But yeah. But here at this time, he's at his peak in terms of creativity and and everything and i don't know uh if he did a i don't carl had a lot of talent especially as a producer but he didn't really write a whole lot of songs uh compared to brian and dennis but um yeah so overall this song gets an 8.6 i've been Track number seven, uh, five, six, seven, yeah, is Looking at Tomorrow, also known as the a Welfare Song, written by Al Jardine and Gary Winfrey. Same credits as Take a Load Off Your Feet, with the exception of Brian Wilson. Um, so this is, of the three songs that Al uh, wrote or collaborated on, this one has by far the best lyrics. Uh, it's not cheesy and also his vocals his he sings lead on it um, and uh, Brian has a small part doing beep, 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 you know just briefly but doesn't really sing any words but most of this is Al the first two songs Al's vo- voice is kind of silly on um, the bridge on don't go near the water and on take his his singing style on take load off your feet is kind of more silly this is more the the al jardine vocals that i like <laughs> very folky serious there's brian's voice there um and uh yeah i love this and it's got a very um creative production as well so it's folk but it's a little strange uh i gave it a 10 in art and production uh, nothing gets below a seven. That's the hook, but everything does at least a seven. And overall, this song gets an eight point six. Track number eight is "A Day in the Life of a Tree," <laughs> written by Brian Wilson and lyrics by Jack Riley. I think Brian had sort of the premise of the song and then Jack probably added lyrics to it. But Jack Riley is singing lead vocal on this one. Um, he was sort of tricked into it. As he said, he, uh, Brian said he wants to do a test vocal and he asked Jack to sing it. And then he's like, all right, that's it. That's a wrap. <laughs> and Jack was like, okay, but it's kind of a joke that he sounded like a dead tree. I think he sounds good on it. Um, uh, I have no problem with his voice on it. Um, Dennis might have been a good vocal on it. I would have liked to hear Brian from the mid to late 70s when his voice was gruff sing it. But um, the I love just the way they use the organs and keyboards and stuff. Um, there's other vocals in here by... 
uh, I think Brian has partial vocals and there's a round with like Van Dyke Parks and um, Al Jardine and uh, it's really cool it's kind of a depressing song um, so it's not catchy at all it's more of an artsy kind of a thing but uh, I gave it a 10 in art poetry and production and uh, the catchiness and hook are both a five so it's it yeah I love it it's this is kind of my thing uh, weird it's not catchy at all kind of like feel flows um, but because of the un you know lack of catchiness it it drags it down but overall I give this one an 8.0 Track number 11 is Till I Die by Brian Wilson. And I believe Brian is singing the lead. I'm not sure if he's singing the backing vocals too or not. Uh, I can kind of hear other Beach Boys in here. But Brian wrote the lyrics. I think they're very deep. Even though they're simple, they're they're very good, deep lyrics. Um, there's other versions to this that I like better. In fact, for a long time, the Steven Desper mix was my favorite that came out um, on the Endless Summer, or no, Endless Harmony box set in 1998, or uh, not box set, compilation disc in 1998 or 99, something like that. And it's a little longer. It's got this instrumental intro and it builds. This one's really fine too, but the main good thing about it is the chord progressions are insane very complex and it works it's just brian just throws it out there like you know not not a hit single not even on a single at all but brian wilson fans know this song and they love it and it's you know probably a lot of people's favorite song is in the 70s by the beach boys uh, I gave it a 10 in art and in production and poetry. And uh, the weakness of this song is catchiness. But overall, this song gets an 8.8. .8. A diamond necklace played the pawn. Hand in hand, song grown to long war. To a handsome man in the town. The last song in the album is Surf's Up, the title track, written by Brian Wilson and Van Dyke Parks. Carl Wilson sings the first uh, part of it, uh, and then Brian sings the middle part, and then you have a round that includes Al Jardine uh, singing a children's song, Won't You Listen As They Play. Um, now, obviously this was originally on going to be on the Smile album that was... Uh, was booted. I talked more about this on the Smile Sessions review. Um, and I do like this version because it's completed. The version that came out with Brian singing the whole thing doesn't sound complete to me. A lot of people like that because it has Brian singing it. But I, I don't know if it was a final take vocal personally. Um, Carl Wilson pulled this out and tried to get Brian to work on it and Brian really wasn't interested in working on it in fact he didn't want to put it out at all but the other guys 
argued with them and pleaded and brought they recorded a lot of songs or a lot of things at brian's house and apparently the story i heard is they were like adding vocals and adding like backing track stuff to this song to make it more complete and brian runs down stairs in his pajamas and comes up with the tag which is the lyrics are, are brilliant i love it brian just runs down there and says hey hey guys at the end do this a children's song won't you listen as they play their song is love and the children know the way you know i love that vocal and then al sings that part and um yeah so it is a fantastic song um written several years earlier and this is when people first heard it and i think they were starting to get promoted for that smile that they um well they were in 67 i mean it was promoted as if it was going to come out in early 67 and it never did but now there was talks that they were going to re-release or or finally finally release the smile album and there was talks about it on you know magazines and radio stations and stuff and there's even live performances where um i don't remember see i think mike is talking about um wonderful and they sing the song wonderful on stage and he said a few years back we did an album called smile and we're going to put it out this coming year so they were certainly talking about it as if they were going to come out with it but it never did uh, until 2004 when brian re-recorded everything and then in 2011 when they released all the sessions so that's all old news but two tens on this the poetry and the production oh three tens and, and the art nine on the catchiness seven on the hook just great all the way around and i give this song a 9.2 the album flow is a seven out of ten uh again there's a few songs in here that just don't fit the vibe of the rest of the album take a lot off your feet disney girls and student demonstration time in my opinion all decent songs in and of themselves just don't fit this album um, this album could have easily been a masterpiece and Dennis Wilson had an argument as I mentioned earlier with Carl about the song order he had a song called wouldn't it be nice to live again which um, it's funny because in my alternate album that I'm about to do it's not the way Dennis would have wanted it either <laughs> but it is a Dennis song that closes the album but there are several Dennis tracks that were unreleased and um, can make this album much better and you take out some of the weak stuff. And also, unfortunately, I took out Surf's Up because it's on my Smile album. But some of the weak tracks are not on here. So Take a Load Off Your Feet, not on here. Uh, student Demonstration Time, not on here. But everything else is, yes, even Disney Girls, I said I wasn't a big fan, but it is a Bruce song. Sometimes I like to represent all the guys. And uh, added on to this is a few Dennis, let's see, three Dennis songs. One is called Lady or Fallen in Love. It's titled as both. Um, I call it Lady on this album. 
um, Sound of Free. In fact, that was a two-sided single uh, credited to Dennis Wilson and Rumbo, which is actually Daryl Dragon of um, Captain and Tennille. Uh, so Captain uh, Daryl Dragon was a backing musician for the Beach Boys at this time before he became uh, the captain. Um, and the other song that Dennis wrote is the closing track for this alternate album called All of My Love slash Ecology. And because Surf's Up is not on this album, I had to come up with a title for the album. And my title for the album is ecology <laughs> i just think that makes a nice uh title for an album and uh so that's what i'm calling it because there's several songs like don't go near the water and um a day in the life of a tree um and ecology that are oh until i die i mean touches on like rocks and going down a mountain and the ocean and you know, so, you know, there's some environment and wind. So there's some environmental stuff there as well. So, you know, I thought it was a good title for it. Now, also on this album is a couple of songs that Mike sings. And there's limited info on these, but they came out on the Field Flows box set. Or one of them did. Uh, the one that came out on the Field Flows box set that I have on here is Sweet and Bitter. And uh, the other one actually came out on the Keeping the Summer Alive album uh, called When Girls Get Together, but it was actually written around this time. So for some reason it was left on the shelf. So with the addition of three Dennis songs and a couple more tracks and taking off some of the weak ones, we have a masterpiece, in my opinion, and that's what we're going to listen to now. So... Here we are with side A for the alternate Surf's Up album called Ecology.
the life I live Live the life that I love Live it with my lady A love so
what could bring such a change through the years Now that it's all real nowhere to run We must make the best of the things that we've done A Sitting around thinking about it rips my soul It drives me to the bitter end, you know Glad that it's over and love didn't last I'll think of the future, the heck with the past And the words don't come from the heart of me Girl, we can't go on Make believe and we're still in love Can't you see it's meant to be Love was a sweet dream, my work it was gone And then came the bad times, on and on If that's how it must be, I don't feel so bad And I'll count your love as the worst that I've had And the worst don't come from the heart of me Girl, we can't go
So that is the end of side A. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the song order. Uh, first of all, I love the long Till I Die intro as the intro to the album. It's very like, uh, you know how Dark Side of the Moon starts out with a heartbeat and then it builds, you know, kind of a thing. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I just like that as a way to open the album and it just lets you know from the beginning, this is not an album that's meant to be like to dance to <laughs> or something like that. It's something very deep and, you know, and I think that works well, but also the song order, the first song is Brian Wilson, then it's Dennis, then Carl, then Mike, then Al, then Bruce. So each member gets featured on side a of this album side b is not so organized in that way but i put it in such an order that i think works so hope you enjoy side b i hope you enjoyed side a and i hope you now enjoy side b don't go near the water don't you think it's sad What's happened to the water? Our water's going bad. Oceans, rivers, lakes, and streams have all been touched by man. Poison floating out to sea now threatens life on land. Don't go near the water. Ain't it safe?
so hard to answer future's riddle when ahead is seeming so far behind so hard to laugh and try like give when the tears start to torture my mind so hard to shed the life of before to let my soul automatically so
Thank you. 